Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's on. Yeah, okay. it's on. It's on. Look. It has also been confirmed that these occurrences are happening around the world as well. We are waiting on an official statement right now from the federal emergency. Can you see it out here? Oh my gosh. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a little weird. <laughs> now turn to the person on the other side, your second choice, and say, that is a little creepy. <laughs> well, we want to welcome everyone to Orchard Church this morning. We are not always this weird and always this creepy, but we're in the middle of a three-week series leading up to Easter called The End, where we're talking about the end of the world, the second coming of Christ. And these things, if you're new to church or new to the Bible, they may seem a little weird. They may seem a little bit creepy. But as we learned last week, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we do not need to be afraid of the end because we've read the end of the book and we win. Amen. And so we're going to talk a little bit more today about the end. And so uh, right now, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 12. Revelation. Now, when I say Revelation, I know what you guys want to do. You want to go, ooh. So let's just go ahead right now. Turn to Revelation. Ooh, chapter 22, we're going to begin in verse 12 this morning. Let me kind of bring you up to speed what, what we've been talking about last week when we kicked off this series called The End. We talked about the return of Jesus Christ and that he could return at any moment. And it's important that we're ready for his return. And when he returns, many scholars believe, and I'm one that agrees with them, but we're not going to debate over the details and timing and all that. But many believe that the next event we're waiting for is the rapture of the church. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air but the important thing is that Jesus is coming again if you believe that church say yes and that we're ready for his return. And if you weren't here last week, you, you need to go online. Go to orchardchurch.tv, watch last week's message. Um, I, I know a lot of people are talking about it. It was enjoyable. One of the things we learned last week, and if you weren't here, you, you won't get this. You need to go online, is we need to be ready. We also learned that we have people who are nudies and clothies. Remember that? We learned that last week. And uh, after the service, I was talking to one of our worship team members. I won't tell you which one, but he plays the guitar really well. And uh, he's in our worship team every week. And he said, yeah, man, that was a great message, Pastor Doug. I really like that part about being ready and, you know, about being a clothier or nudie. And I go, well, what are you? He goes, oh, I'm a nudie. I said, really? He said, yeah, every night. And I said, really? And he said, yep, you told us, Pastor, to always be ready. I was like, okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. So be ready. Here's what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, we're going to look at the book of Revelation, the entire book. Uh, we're going to go through the entire book of Revelation in 35 minutes, believe it or not. We're going to just give you some handles and some directions uh, to this book that's very intriguing, but yet sometimes confusing to people and sometimes a little scary, but does it need to be if you know Jesus? We're going to look at some kind of big events, the tribulation, battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist, the mark of the beast. So you don't want to miss next week as we take one week and go through the entire book of Revelation. Now, I took an entire year and taught through verse by verse through the book of Revelation. 
uh, back in 2010. So this is just a short three-week series. We're just kind of giving you some snapshots. But if you go to, again, to our website, you can do a search there. September 2010, I started the whole book of Revelation. So if you want to go through that whole book, you can go back online and watch that. Also in 2012, we went through the Gospel of Mark verse by verse. And there were four weeks where we talked about the return of Christ. And so it's about four weeks long. We called it Back to the Future. So I'm just giving you these things for those of you who want to dig in a little bit deeper because we're just touching, scratching the surface here in these three weeks. Now today, we're going to talk about your end times. We're talking about the end, uh, the end of the world and the second coming of Christ, but we're going to talk about your end times because all of us are going to have an end to our life at some point. Either we're going to be alive when Jesus returns and we're going to be raptured and the end of the world begins and we're part of that, or we're going to probably die someday and that's going to be our end and we're going to, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're going to be in heaven. What's that going to be like? We're going to talk about that today. And what we're particularly going to look at today is that in the Bible, there are two judgments. One of them is for Christians and one of them is for non-Christians. And we're going to talk about those two judgments today. Jesus mentioned this in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, as we look at it together. And if you have a Bible with red letter, you see this is in red. This is Jesus speaking. We'll also put it on the screen for you. And let's look at this together. Jesus said, look, I am, help me church. What does he say? I am Coming soon. That's what we're talking about. Jesus says, I am coming soon and I'm bringing my, what's the next word? Reward with me. That's what we're going to talk about today. To repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so what you need to understand about these rewards he's talking about, this is not a reward for salvation or, or, or punishment for damnation on this judgment seat of Christ we're going to talk about. But rather, this is uh, rewards for the good things we have done for the Lord. Because we know that we can't work for our salvation. We cannot earn our salvation. Uh, we talk about this all the time here at Orchard Church. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace we've been saved through faith and that not of ourselves it's the gift of god not of any works and so that's not what jesus is talking about we're not talking about earning or working for our salvation but what he is talking about is the fact that christians will be rewarded in heaven based on how we have lived and served the lord on the earth and it's going to be a part of our end times and so that's what we're going to look at and, and a lot of people are asking the question well what's going to happen at, at this judgment you know, some people, I've heard people say that when we get to heaven as Christians, God's going to put like a big screen up and he's going to play like this movie of our life, all the good and all the bad we've ever done for everybody to see. And then we're going to be rewarded. That just send me to hell right now if they're going to do that. You know, I don't want everybody seeing all the bad stuff. It's not going to be quite like that, but we are going to be rewarded for the things we've done for the Lord. And this event is called the Judgment Seat of Christ. If you're taking notes this morning on the back of your newsletter, hope you write that down. It's called the Judgment Seat of Christ. And this is the first judgment we're going to look at today. And this one, very important, you pay attention. This is for Christians. These are for believers, people who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people want to know, well, when is this going to take place? When is this Judgment Seat of Christ going to happen where these rewards are given to Christians? Well, many scholars believe, and I happen to agree with them, that it's going to probably probably take place right after the rapture of the church and the resurrection of the saved that we talked about last week. We know this because Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 14, then at the resurrection of who? Of who, who church? Of the righteous. That's the key. At the resurrection of the righteous, we looked at that last week, God will do what? He will reward you. And this is for believers. Um, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we'll put it on the screen, Paul addressed this, and he's talking to a church, he's talking to believers, and he said, for we as believers, Christians, must all be, appear before the what? Judgment seat of Christ. Everybody just say, judgment seat of Christ. Judgment. 
we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one as Christians may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And again, this is not a judgment of salvation or damnation, but it's a way to reward Christians and believers for what they've done. One of the reasons we believe that this is a time of rewarding us for the things we've done for the Lord is because the phrase judgment seat in the Greek language, the word judgment is the word bema. And you can put that in your notes, Bema, B-E-M-A. And this would have uh, made a lot of sense to the first century Christians that would have read this about the Bema seat because the Bema seat was not a judge that sat in a place to punish criminals or set them free. But rather, it was where the Caesar or someone would sit on a throne on the Bema seat and they would distribute the awards for the Grecian uh, Greek Games, what we know today as the Olympic Games. And they would put on them a crown. Usually it was made out of wreaths. I think we have a picture of that. And they would, you know, first place or second place or third place. It was a place of rewarding people for how they had participated in those games. That's the same word for judgment seat of Christ where Christians are going to be awarded. Now you say, well, what are we going to be awarded? You know, I don't know if I I want one of those funky, you know, wreaths on my head. You know, it's not going to be a gold medal or silver medal or a bronze medal like the Olympics. But the Bible tells us we're going to be rewarded with crowns. Crowns. Now, our, our Spanish pastor, Marcial, he taught this same message last night at Orchard Church Latino in Spanish. And he, he reminded me today, he said, you know, uh, Pastor Doug, in Spanish, the word crowns is corona. He said, so I'm telling them. Oh, that got some of y'all's attention right there. You perked up. Oh. And, and he said, you know, I'm telling them, you're going to get to heaven someday. And we're all going to get Coronas. He said, okay, not these kind of Coronas with a lime. You know, these kind of Coronas. So it's going to be crowns on our head. Now, we, there may be many crowns that we're going to receive. But we know there are at least five. And so it's not going to be a six-pack of Coronas. It's going to be a five-pack of Coronas. Uh, crowns on our head. And there are five of them that we know about in Scripture. And so I want to share those with you today. And I've given you the references. We don't have time to go to all of them, but you can go read them yourself. And I hope that you'll want to receive these crowns because these are the rewards that we're going to be given as Christians when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ if we've earned these crowns. The first one we see in the Bible is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's the crown of incorruptibility. And this is a crown for those who run a faithful race. They're faithful to the Lord throughout their life and they run a faithful race. They get the crown of incorruptibility. The second crown is the crown of rejoicing. And that's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is for people who share their faith. They're always trying to bring their friends and coworkers and neighbors to Christ or invite them to church. You, listen, how many of y'all say, I'd like to get some crowns in heaven. I'd like to have some rewards. Raise your hand. Okay, I'm going to tell you one way I think you can get the crown of rejoicing uh, right now in heaven. We've got Easter coming up in two weeks. And I mean, this place is going to be packed out in five services. And many people are going to hear the gospel and accept Christ. We've been giving you guys Easter invites there at the door. You can pick them up on the table or got questions. Give these out to your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, and invite them to church so they can hear about Jesus Christ and what he did for them. And I think that's one way you can earn this crown of rejoicing because you're wanting to share your faith. Another crown, the third crown, is the crown of righteousness. And this is the crown that I hope many of you are beginning to earn right now as believers. It's a crown for those who love his returning. That you're excited about the return of Christ. You're looking for the return of Christ. You're praying about the return of Christ. You're saying, like we learned last week, Maranatha, which means our Lord returns. And so I hope through this series, many of you are gaining the crown of righteousness. The fourth crown that we know about in the Bible is the crown of glory. And this is my favorite crown. Because this is for faithful pastors. 
So I'm just hoping I'm going to get one of the crowns of glory in heaven someday. And then the fifth one is the crown of life. And many scholars refer to this as the martyr's crown. This is people uh, in the book of James chapter 1 talks about the crown of life for people who've been willing to die for their faith. This is not like, you know, where you get this because you wore a cheesy Christian t-shirt and somebody teased you about it. I mean, these are people that like died for their faith, martyrs deaths, the crown of life. So I hope you guys will, will look at those crowns, study them out a little bit and, and say, you know, when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ as a believer before the Bema seat, I, I want to I receive one or more of these crowns. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, what are we going to do with these crowns? You know, let's say we get one or two or three of these crowns. You know, what are we going to do? Oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to walk around and we're going to boast about our crowns. That's what we're going to be like. Man, look at my crowns. Hey, my crown is bigger than your crown. You know, and I've got more crowns than you have, you know. And, and like we're going to put these crowns, you know, in a, in a buggy and wheel them around in heaven and be like, man, look at all my crowns. Where are your crowns, you pathetic, just glad to be here, Christian? You know, what's your problem? That is not what we're going to do with these crowns, church. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 4, gives us a hint and a glimpse of what I believe we're going to do with these crowns. It says that the 24 elders took their crowns and they laid them at the feet of the one who wore a crown of thorns for us. And they're going to lay those at his feet to worship him and bring glory to him and bring honor to the one that if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be there in the first place. We wouldn't have life. We wouldn't have salvation. We wouldn't have redemption. We wouldn't have forgiveness. And we wouldn't have any crowns. He deserves the crowns. Amen, Orchard Church. Jesus Christ. And it's okay to celebrate that. That's fine. Some of y'all want to celebrate that. Let's do that. You know, it's kind of like that. So you're going to want to have these crowns in heaven to have something to lay at the feet of your Savior. At the feet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, have, I liken it to this. Have you ever, like when you were a kid, maybe went to a birthday party and you forgot to bring a present? And everybody else is bringing their presents and you forgot to bring one and your mom and dad didn't buy one to give to you. Or, or maybe your present's really puny and everybody else. It's kind of embarrassing. We don't want to get to heaven someday and not have something to lay at the feet of Jesus who deserves these crowns. Amen? So I so hope you'll think about those crowns and say, man, I want to earn some of these crowns, these rewards at the judgment, at the Bema seat of Christ. Now, I keep putting this timeline up. I want to give you guys uh, our bearings. We've been doing this throughout this series. We'll do it next week as well. Last week, you know, we talked about the rapture of the church where Jesus comes in the clouds and we meet him in the air and the dead in Christ are resurrected first. And most scholars believe, and I, I agree with them, that we think the judgment seat of Christ is going to happen right after that event. There's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb and the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, and then we're rewarded. And then we're going to get into this next week, but then there will be seven years of tribulation on this earth. And then the literal second coming of Christ at the end of the battle of Armageddon where we come back with him. This time he literally comes to the earth. He sets foot on the Mount of Olives. He sets up a thousand-year millennial reign, and he is in charge. And then we go get a new heaven and a new earth and off into eternity. We'll talk more about those things next week. But this judgment seat of Christ is probably going to happen right after the rapture of the church. And, and so I wanted you guys to get your bearings on that. So at that point, we're in heaven. You know, we're, we're, with, we're with Jesus. So a lot of people want to know, well, what's heaven going to be like? You know, if that's our eternal home and we're going to be there forever, what, what are we going to do forever and ever in heaven? I mean, are we going to be bored? I mean, some people think, like, are we just going to, like, hang out with bald, naked baby angels playing harps? And, and that's what we're going to do for all eternity? 
No. We, we don't know everything that's going to happen in heaven because the Bible says no eye has seen or ear has heard what God has prepared for us. But there are some things the Bible tells us that we can get excited about. What is heaven going to be like? I hope you'll take some notes. Let me give you three things. And we see these in Revelation chapter 21. You're there in chapter 22. Go back one chapter to Revelation chapter 21 verse 1. And this is John. We'll talk more about him next week because he's the one that wrote all of the book of Revelation. He's the last apostle to be alive. He's exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And God gives him a vision of all the things that are going to happen in the end times. And he gives him a vision of what heaven's going to be like. And so here's the first thing that we see. What's, going to, what's heaven going to be like? What are we going to experience? God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. That God is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. Then I saw, help me out, church, a what? New heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth have what? They've disappeared. They're gone. And the sea was also gone. So I guess no more sea, no more uh, beaches. Notice it doesn't say no more mountains. Aren't you glad for that, Coloradians? Then say no more mountains. The sea was gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And God is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, many scholars say it's going to be like heaven is finally on earth. It's like it was supposed to be. I think one of the glimpses we have of this is the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they fell into sin and everything was perfect and they were meant to live forever and they walked with God and they talked with God and they fellowship with God and it was amazing. That's what this new heaven and new earth is going to be like where God's going to restore everything the way it was supposed to be before we as mankind messed it up. Many scholars believe that the things that we enjoy on earth right now and we like to do, we're going to do in this new earth. But we're going to do them even better because we have glorified bodies and there's no sin and there's no sickness and there's no pain. We'll talk about that in a minute. You know one of the things I'm looking forward to in the new heaven and the new earth? I want to finally get to dunk a basketball. I cannot wait. I've been praying for that my whole life, and I'm finally going to, because I'm not a very good basketball player then, but man, you just, I'll play any of y'all in heaven, the new heaven, new earth, so looking forward to that. One question people ask about heaven is this, very practical, will we know each other? You know, will we know each other in heaven? I believe absolutely we will. A great example of this is when Jesus, when he died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's what we're going to celebrate in a couple weeks at Easter. When he appeared in his glorified body, his resurrected body, and our body is going to be like his body, to his disciples, did they know him? Yeah, they knew him. They talked with him. They fellowshiped. They had a meal together, and they, they hung out for 40 days together. And so I believe we're going to know our friends. We're going to know our neighbors. We're going to know our family members in heaven. Here's what you need to know about this new heaven and new earth. This is the best way I can say it. The new heaven and new earth is going to be indescribably better than the best day you've ever had in your life. It's going to be indescribably better than the best day of your life. I don't know. Think about it right now. What's the best day you've ever had? Maybe it was the birth of your children. Maybe it was your marriage. Maybe it was your honeymoon. You know, maybe it was when you got your dream job. You know, maybe, maybe it was when you got that dream pr promotion. I know for some of you, you would say, man, one of the best days of my life was February 7th, 2016. Think about the day. Super Bowl. Broncos won the world championship. Super Bowl 50. You're like, man, that was awesome. That was a great day. Heaven's going to be better. The new heaven's going to be better. The new earth is going to be better. Shelly and I, one of our favorite places to visit, we've had the privilege to go there about three times. I went first when I was a senior in high school on a senior trip that I've gone a couple times since uh, to Hawaii. How many of you guys have ever been to Hawaii? 
a lot of you, awesome. If you ever have a chance, I've had the privilege to travel the world over on mission trips. I've been just about on every continent. And every time I go to Hawaii, I mean, I'm just blown away at how amazing it is. I mean, the weather is perfect. It's just beautiful. It's like a Garden of Eden. And I always say to my wife, man, it just doesn't get any better than this. But then I think, oh, yeah, it does. The new heaven and the new earth is going to be beyond what we can ever imagine. I hope you guys are looking forward to that. You're excited about it. Here's something else. What, what will heaven be like? Not only will there be a new heaven and a new earth, but number two, you will be with God forever. What can we expect as Christians in heaven? We'll be with God forever. Now, I want you to look at uh, verse 3 of Revelation 21, verse 3, the next verse here. And, and before we look at this, let me give you a little context. This is the 20th time that we're going to see this phrase in the book of Revelation. Now, anytime God says something more than once, do you think he's trying to make a point? Amen? And, and, and he says something two or three times, he's trying to let us know this is a really big deal. This is the 20th time this phrase is found in the book of Revelation. But this is the final time and the last time and the most important time because it finally comes to fruition. And this is what God, our Heavenly Father, has been looking for for a really long time, that we get to be with God forever. And here's the phrase. It's in verse 3. John says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, let's say it together, church. God's home is now among his people. That's what our Heavenly Father has been waiting for, that God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. In heaven, we will be with God. We will be with our Heavenly Father forever. And this is the final declaration from the throne in Revelation. And what is our Heavenly Father? What is God saying? My, final, my family is finally together. My children are with me and we're with our Heavenly Father. And this is what He has wanted from the foundation of the world. You know, the Bible tells us throughout that we right now, we can't look on God. We can't see God. Moses said, if you try to look at God, you'll die if you just even try to look at God. In the Old Testament with the temple where God's presence dwelt in the Holy of Holies. Remember, the high priest was the only one that could be in the presence of God. And he could only do it once a year. But at this event and the new heaven and the new earth, we're going to be with God. And God is going to be with us. And he's going to be our God. And we're going to be his people. And the family is together for all eternity the way it was supposed to be. And I've had the privilege of kind of getting a glimpse of this and what this might feel like to our Heavenly Father. Uh, remember in the fall, we had our 10th anniversary as a church. And we have three services. And so we had not been together in one location for five years. We'd been in different services. And then we have a picture. You guys remember this? We had our 10th anniversary outside. And we got a really good suntan that day, if you all remember that. It was really hot. And we were all filling the Prairie View High School football stadium. And we were one church body, one church family together for the first time in, in five years. And it was an amazing experience as God had brought all of us together. And then personally... I experienced this, and this is meaningful to me, uh, last weekend. I've shared with you guys that Shelly and I are in this interesting transitional stage of our life. We're kind of like transitional empty nesters. And our son is playing baseball at Peru State in Nebraska, so we go weeks, sometimes months at a time. We don't get to see him. He's eight and a half hours away, and, and that's been difficult for us. And then our daughter is 18. She's graduated from high school, and she's working a full-time job at Ziggy's Coffee Shop, and she works most evenings. And, and so most nights now, it's just Shelly and I having dinner at this huge table. After so many years of it being the four of us. And last weekend, Caleb 
surprised us. They were on spring break, and his coach gave him a couple days off, and he flew home, and uh, he got to be with us for the weekend, and he flew home late Friday night, and then Saturday at lunch, Kaylin didn't, was off work that day, and Caleb was home, and so for the first time in a long time, the four of us were having lunch together, you know, just having a sandwich at our table, but there was laughter, and there was storytelling, and I just, man, I just thought, man, life can't get any better than this. This is... Everything is right with the world. This is the way it's supposed to be. And I just savored that moment because they're few and far between nowadays. And I thought, man, as I studied this, that's how our Heavenly Father's got to feel, and even more so. That one day, all of His children are going to come home. And we're going to be with our God, and God is going to be with us, and we're going to be with Him forever. Are you thankful for that, Orchard Church? That we get to be with our God forever someday. And yeah, absolutely. Let's celebrate that. That's worth celebrating. So what's this heaven going to be like? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to live with God forever. Here's the third thing you need to know about heaven. You will never suffer again. Can I have an amen? You will never suffer again. Any of you all ever suffer? Any of you all ever go through trials, tribulations, pain, difficulty? Not in the new heaven and new earth. Revelation chapter 21, look at the next verse 4. John says, our God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We sang about that this morning. No more tears. And there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone for how long, church? Forever. Forever. We will never suffer again. And I hope you can grasp this. And I hope this will speak to someone this morning. This is so practical. As Christians, this is what we have to look forward to in heaven. No more pain. No more fear. No more worry. No more stress. No more hunger. No more starving kids. No more sickness. No more heartache. No more loneliness. No more wars. No more AIDS. No more famines. No more disasters. No more hurts. No more habits. No more hang-ups. No more loneliness. No more death. And I love this one. No more goodbyes. No more goodbyes. With God or with those that are Christians, our family members, our friends that are in heaven, we never have to say goodbye again in heaven. And we never have to suffer again. I was reminded of how important this truth is last Sunday. After our service, we, we went to lunch and we were eating lunch and I got a phone call from a dear family in our church. They're, they're very faithful members of our church. They serve in our church on a regular basis and they called and they said, um, we're at the, it was like a nursing home rehabilitation center and they said, our, our mother, Anne, who's been battling pancreatic cancer for two years, they called the family in today suddenly and said she's probably not going to make it through the day. And, and she's been to Orchard Church, and when she stopped being able to come and be in our services, she, was, she watched online. Uh, she gave an offering to our legacy campaign. And, and so they said, she's wanting you to come over and, and pray with her and, and, and give her her last communion. And when I walked in the door, I mean, she knew what was going on, and we were talking and everything else. And I, I mean, I, I really thought, well, I, I think she is going to make it through the day. And we, we went over there, and uh, we gave her communion. We prayed with her. And after I said amen... She didn't say another word. And I had the privilege and honor to be there in the last moments of her life on this earth. And I say privilege and honor because you know what the Bible says? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. She had accepted Christ when she was 13 years of age and served the Lord her entire life. And she peacefully went home to be with her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I got to be there with her and I got to be there with the family. And within, within moments after we prayed, within minutes, I think 10 minutes, she passed on peacefully to go home to be with the Lord. And I said to the family, I said, you know what? 
because you're all believers and she's a believer. This is not goodbye. This is good night. Amen? You're going to see her again. But here's the deal. One day, there's going to be no more goodbyes. There's going to be no more good night because we're going to be with God forever and we are not going to suffer any longer. None of us are going to be. And we praise God for that. Amen? We praise God. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. We're going to be with God forever. And he's going to be with us. And we're never going to have to suffer again. Are you encouraged this morning, Orchard Church, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? That ought to encourage all of us. I, I said this last week. When you start talking about the end, it can be scary and it can be freaky. And a lot of people, even Christians, get scared. If you know Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. We know what the Lord has prepared for us, some of these things that are going to, have to, hap- that are going to happen. Now, that's the good news. That's the good news. But with our time that's remaining, I have a responsibility as a pastor, as a preacher of God's word, to tell you everything it says. We, we, we as a church, we don't ever want to take away from God's word. We don't want to ever add to what God's word. Our number one value at Orchard Church is this. What does the Bible say? Amen? And there's a problem. And here's the problem. Most people believe that heaven is the default destination for everybody. That's what most people believe. You know, well, Uncle Joe, he was a good old boy. You know, I mean, there was that one time. We're not going to bring that up. You know, he's a pretty good guy. He's not going to suffer any longer. He's in a better place. And we seem to say that about everybody. And we think that heaven is the default destination. But according to the word of God, heaven is not the default destination of mankind ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. The default destination is not heaven, it's hell. It's a place called hell where you're separated from God for all eternity. We talked about it this way last week, that if you're born once and that's it, you'll die twice. A physical death and then a spiritual death, separation from God for all eternity. But if you're born twice, praise God, you only have to die once. Amen? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, and I want you to hear his words. He said, you can enter God's kingdom only through what gate? The narrow gate. The highway to hell is what? Broad. It's huge. It's the default destination for mankind. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Because the default destination is not heaven. It's hell. But only a few ever find it. But can I give you some good news this morning, Orchard Church, in the midst of what we're talking about? Last Sunday, our three services together, we had over 40 people who found the narrow gate. And they changed their default destination and accepted Christ. And we praise God for that. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 6. And this is one of the clearest scriptures I know in the Bible of of the, the difference between are you going to heaven or are you going to be separated from God? Jesus said, I am what? The way. He didn't say I'm a way or I'm one of the ways. He said I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through me. He is the way. He is the narrow gate. He is the way to change your default destination from hell to heaven. And what will happen to those who don't find the way? Well, we've looked at the first judgment, which is the judgment seat of Christ, which is for Christians. But I must also tell you, There is a second judgment. It's the final judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. 
And it's for non-Christians. It's for those who have not found the way. They have not went through the narrow gate called Jesus. And we read this sobering truth in Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. And I just want to read to you the word of God and what it says about this final judgment for those who are not Christians. And these are not my words. These are the words of God. And John says, and I saw a great, help me church, a great what? White throne. This is not the Bema seat. This is a different seat. It's a great white throne. It's a throne of judgment and one sitting on it. And the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, both great and small, no matter who they were on this earth, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of what? Life. This is God's reservation book. In heaven. If your name is in this book, then heaven is your home. If your name is not in this book, then the default destination that we're about to read about is where you're headed. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. At this time, they will be judged according to their works. And we know the Bible says that our works will never earn our salvation. It will never be good enough. And the sea gave up its dead. And death and the grave gave up their dead. This is that second resurrection we talked about last week. This is the resurrection of those that were not believers. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and grave were thrown into the lake of fire. And this lake of fire is what? The second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second judgment. You do not want to be a part of the second judgment. You want to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen? But this is, according to the Bible, according to God's word, this is the default destination of non-Christians. And I know what some of you are thinking. Because at one time in my life, I thought the same thing. Well, I don't like that part of the story. Can't we skip that? I don't like that. I like the first part. I don't like that part. I don't like this part of the message, Pastor Doug. And here's what we tend to think in our humanness. That's not fair. And we've all heard people say that. You know, that God would do that. That's not fair. But I want you to think logically about this. And I want you to think biblically about this. Because when, when we, in this life, see someone do something wrong, when they commit a heinous crime against someone else, and we know they're guilty, and yet somehow they get off, they get a good enough lawyer or whatever, and they get off, what do we say to that? We say, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not justice. You know, there's this phenomenon on Netflix called making a murderer. And there's some people saying that's not fair. We think an innocent guy is in prison. Other people are saying, no, it is fair because we think he's guilty. And we, we want justice and we want fairness. And when we see somebody commit a crime against somebody else and break the law, we, we say they need to pay. There needs to be punishment. There needs to be restitution. Amen? And we say that all the time. Well, here's what we need to know. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, a relationship with God. You know what sin is? It's breaking God's law. That's what sin is. We've all broken God's law and we come short of a relationship with him. Romans 3.10 says there is none of us that are righteous, right with God. No, not one of us. We have all broken God's law. We have all sinned. And you know what God's penalty for sin is? Romans 6.23 says the wages of the payment of sin is what, church? You know this. It's death. It's death. That's the default destination. But here's the good news. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his love toward us because he wants a relationship with us. That while we were sinners and we had broken God's law, Christ died for us. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That our default destination can change because of what Jesus did for us, even though we were the ones that committed the sin, and we were the ones that committed the crime, and we are the guilty ones, and he is the innocent one. Listen, Orchard Church, here's what's not fair. It's not fair that Jesus died in our place, and we get to live in heaven forever for all eternity. That's what's not fair. It's not fair that we get crowns of thorns as rewards from the one who wore a crown of thorns for us. It's not fair that an innocent person named Jesus who lived a perfect sinless life died for us, the guilty ones. That's not fair. It's not fair that I'm rewarded. It's not fair that I'm in heaven. It's not fair that I'm forgiven. It's not fair that I'm saved and I'm adopted and I'm redeemed and I get to be in heaven with God forever. Listen, Orchard Church, I thank God he's not fair. Because if he were fair, we would all get what we deserve instead of heaven as our home. And I hope somebody will get excited about that because that's important. That is what's not fair. And so this morning, I hope that you'll say, thank God that he's not fair, but that he is just and that he loved us enough to pay for our sins. And that we don't have to face the default destination. That he offers us his love, he offers us his grace, and he offers his mercy to us. And all we have to do is accept it by faith. We don't have to stand before the great white throne judgment. Because of Jesus, we can be at the judgment seat of Christ. And we can be rewarded and heaven can be our home. But the choice is ours. Which gate do we choose? The broad gate or the narrow gate? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you did not deal with us by being fair. Because what is fair is that we all deserve to be separated from you. We deserve to die. We deserve the punishment. We deserve the penalty. But you took it for us. And I pray that if there's anyone here today that has never received you as Lord and Savior, that today... They would accept your mercy and your love and your grace and that their default destination would change in this moment, in this service. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, I hope as believers in Jesus Christ right now, you'll just thank God for his amazing grace, his amazing love. Thank him. Say, thank you, God, that you are not giving me what I deserve, but that I have forgiveness and I have grace and I have love. And I pray that you will live for the one who died for you. Say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. I, I want to earn some crowns so that at the judgment seat of Christ, at the Bama seat, I can lay them at your feet because you deserve them. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands this morning, believers. Just be praying right now. And as you're doing that and you're thanking Jesus for what he's done for you, and that he changed your destination forever. I want to talk to those of you that maybe have never made that decision to accept Christ. Here's the good news. Your default destination can change today. You can walk through the narrow gate today by walking into the arms of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and receiving Him. You can make sure today, right now, in this service, in this moment, that your name is written in the book of life. Some call it the Lamb's book of life. That your reservation in heaven is made because Jesus died for you. If that's you today, you know who you are, and the Lord is speaking to your heart about now is the day, now is the time. You've been putting this off long enough. 
Be ready for his return. Make sure you're at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bama seat, and not the great white throne judgment. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith where you can right now, you don't have to get up, you don't have to stand up, you don't have to speak up, but the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the way we call on him is through prayer. Now, this isn't a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind it, you can invite Jesus into your life today. If that's you today, would you just pray this prayer with me right where you sit? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. And I want to walk through the narrow gate today into your arms. Come into my life, Jesus. I accept you by faith. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to spend eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and saving me. Thank you. That's about nice clothes. Nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'd never want to do that. But I would love the privilege and honor to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer of faith and you meant it, it wasn't just empty words, but it came from your heart and you just accepted Jesus, you just made the greatest decision you could ever make in this life and the life to come. And I want to pray for you that you would grow in your walk in relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So if you prayed that prayer of faith, Without hesitation, right now, unashamedly, would you just raise your hand and say, yes, I prayed that prayer and I want to pray for you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. A couple of young ladies there. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, young lady. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Yes. God bless you. Thank you. Put them up high so I can see them. I don't want to miss anybody. God bless you, young man, right down here. God bless you, sir, over there. Yes, God bless you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you. The young person down here. God bless you. Several people. Praise God. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those walking over the line of faith, stepping over that line today, into your arms, into your grace, into your love. Thank you that uh, in our midst right now, we have seen eternal destinations change. And Lord, we pray that these people would not just make a one-time decision, but they make a decision to walk with you and talk with you and fellowship with you, who they're going to spend all eternity with. I pray they grow in their grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we as a church would love on them, meet them where they are the way you do with grace, mercy, love, and patience. Help us to make disciples and, and mature them as disciples to maturity so they can share their faith with other people and bring them to you. We praise God for their decision. We thank you that you loved us enough to change our default destination and that we get to be with our God and we get to be your people and that one day the family will all be together forever. And we praise you for that. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, Orchard Church, we should just burst out in celebration right now. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ, you raised your hand and said, I accepted Christ, I prayed that prayer, I meant it, please let us know about that. We want to continue to pray for you. We're going to send you a little booklet in the mail called uh, Steps to Joy and Begin Your Walk with Jesus. So put your contact information on your, your card there, your connection card, drop in the offering bucket so we can pray for you and send you that. If you're a first-time guest this morning, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church. Uh, hopefully you filled out your guest connection card. You can do- drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We're not interested in your money. 
money today, first-time guests, we're definitely interested in you. Uh, I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail. So let us know you're here as a first-time uh, guest. If I haven't had a chance to meet you and you're new to Orchard Church, I'd love to meet you personally. I'll be hanging out at the white tent out there in the courtyard. So come on by uh, so I can meet you. Um, next week, we're going to wrap up the end. Next week will be the end of the end. And we're going to go through the entire book of Revelation in 35 minutes. And I know some, some of y'all are thinking, Pastor Doug, you can't do an introduction sometimes in 35 minutes. But we're going to do it. So you excited about next week? Bring somebody to be with you. All right. Uh, right now, we're going to check out what else is going on at Orchard Church before we dismiss. We're also going to worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings because we want to be a church that gives first, saves second, and learns to live on the rest. I love you, Orchard Church. Thanks for being here. Have a wonderful day.